Are you confused about real food and what's healthy and good for the planet? Do you need the facts about local, organic, and sustainable food? Well, get ready to change the way you eat. Get ready for The Appropriate Omnivore with Aaron Zober. Welcome to The Appropriate Omnivore. I'm your host, Aaron Zober. This is episode two of the series, All About the Beef. In our previous episode, we talked about knowing your farmer and met with a local farmer that people in the Southern California area can buy from at farmer's markets. In addition to buying directly from the farmer, another great way to know about where your food comes from is going to a sustainable butcher shop. We're seeing butcher shops that sell pasture meats pop up all over the place. These stores give great options not only for meat, but also sustainable seafood and even a great variety of foods that you can find in the shelf and freezer sections. Here to talk with me about this is Jeff Perez and Ruben Perez of Chops Meat and Fish in Los Angeles. Jeff, Ruben, it's great to have you here. What you do with your butcher shop exemplifies what this show is all about, and as I live in the neighborhood where it's located, I've been long anticipating the opening of it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's excellent. So... Let's hear a little bit about how CHOPS got started. Well, Jeff and I grew up together in Highland Park, where that's our route, and we did go to high school together. And we share the same virtues as far as what we put into our bodies, quality of meat that we choose to purchase and sourcing. And quite frankly, it's very hard to find. So we thought we would open up a butcher shop so that we can offer the same type of healthy products and meats that we choose to eat ourselves to our native ground. I think this also came about also as, a, as an extension of uh, Figueroa Produce, which, that, you know, that Ruben was, was an owner of here in uh, Highland Park. That market was received pretty uh, favorably here and had a great following of customers that believed in the type of product and also almost equally important service that they provided. We try to bring that over to Chops. I love the Figaro Produce Market because that had been opened about a little bit before I moved into the Highland Park neighborhood, and they had the butcher section there, which was excellent. I loved it. There was something really close to my house, and right there I could choose the meats I wanted to get. It had been something that I'd been missing because that was now about, I think, five years that it closed, so... But I got a thing in the mail that Chops was open. That was like music to my ears. I was really excited about that. I think it's great because... I would say that although we are seeing some of these sustainable butcher shops throughout L.A., I think the number is still kind of small as far as the ones that are around. I think that when uh, Ruben and I began talking, if you will, informally about the idea of CHOP, taking a, a kind of a road trip, field trip, if you will, just to kind of visit the butcher shop, at least ones that we thought were comparable to the idea we we're exploring. I think, what was it, maybe a handful, Ruben? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, I remember going all the way out to like the beach areas. So we had like a good, yeah. Yeah, we had a good ten or twelve we visited. And I, I could tell you, seeing how the reviews were and what they posed to be, they were nowhere near our standards, and that's why we felt that we needed to do this because there's pretty much nowhere to get meats that are sourced and properly, humanely raised, and you know that's pretty much why chops exists now. You know, you go to other parts of the country and these types of butcher shops are, are kind of a mainstay in, in, in neighborhoods. And, you know, we really felt that with the vast farms and resources that we have here in California, 
we felt really that this business model was really underrepresented. The idea of having and providing excellent quality meat sourced well and service was just something that we found really lack in L.A. County. I agree. I completely agree as well. You bring up California, which so many of the farms are. I think it's as far as like the entire country, like a big percentage come from farms in California that there's no reason why you shouldn't see more of these in L.A. And I've noticed that most of the meats that you source they are from California. Why don't you tell us a little about some of the farms that you buy from? One of the main farms that we buy our beef from is Sunset. They're 100%. The reason why we like Sunset is there's a couple reasons. It's a small farm. They treat their cows humanely or, or pretty much all their animals. It's 100% organic and also 100% grass-fed. Now, let me say something about that. A lot of other, you know, locations, I won't say any names because there's quite a few, supposed to have a grass-fed beef, and that's true. But what the consumer doesn't realize is that it's 10% grain-finished, and, and, you know, they fatten up the cows right before they sell it to yield more. And that's where profit comes before quality, and I don't believe in that. So we choose Sunset because it is 100% organic and 100% grass-fed. Jeff, you want to touch base on yeah. the other? Uh, you know, we use Nyman Ranch for our pork. Our chicken is saltwater. And all of our seafood here is also carefully sourced. Kind of further to what Ruben was saying, though, about sourcing, um, I have some family members that have various food allergies. And we find that really kind of carefully sourced, even locally sourced product kind of helps, I wouldn't say treat, but it helps avoid some of the allergic reaction that some of my family members, at least, personally speaking, were kind of suffering with. So it's just kind of the idea of cleaner eating. You hear that a lot with treating different diseases and whatnot. But from firsthand experience, I can say that we follow that way of eating and our sourcing of product is local and organic, I should say. So I think there's kind of that twofold product of supporting local businesses and being careful with source. I do want to correct Jeff so that the consumers know. It's uh, Sweetwater Creek, which is our the poultry that we just switched to. We used to carry rosies, and we might still, because they still have the highest standards that we believe in. Uh, rosies and Rockies, all organic. Uh, they have pasture-raised poultry. Now, Sweetwater Creek, everybody's familiarized with Mary's chicken. It's organic pasture raised. That is the same chickens that Sweetwater Creek. There's two labels. It's Mary's and Sweetwater Creek. The reason why we can't carry Mary's chicken is because Whole Foods, you know, your typical giants purchased the rights to the name Mary's, but it's the exact same poultry. Anybody could do their due diligence and they'll find out that they just use a different name to be able to supply to the other smaller butcher shops because Whole Foods uh, put a stranglehold on the name Mary's and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to clarify that as far as the poultry goes. Now, although we try to stay local with everything, we all know that some of the best lamb comes from New Zealand. So we do carry two different types of lamb. We carry New Zealand lamb, but we also carry another lamb that's called Superior Farms, which is pasture-raised, and it is in Central California. Again, going back to what we believe in, which is keeping it local. Keeping it local, it's for various reasons, for freshness, quality in, in the meat, and also keeping our, do- our dollars local, which is very important to our local economy. Jeff, you want to touch base on our... Yeah, um, I think, I think we, kind of, we kind of mentioned some of the same stuff already um, okay. in terms of supporting local businesses. Very important for us. 
I'm a big supporter of eating local. I think another reason to eat local is also with cutting down on carbon emissions, that the less travels, the less carbon emissions you're using. So I think there's another way. I think there's economic, there's environmental, all kinds of reasons to eat local. Right. You hit it right on the button on that one. Absolutely. And I liked also what you were mentioning earlier about getting 100% grass-fed. That's a big issue. A few years ago, I wrote an article about a lot of restaurants lying that they're serving grass-fed beef when a lot of times it is grain finished. So that's an important thing. And you'll see that all kinds of places where they'll say grass-fed, but you have to be careful about the labels because there's a lot of different labels of it. There's grass-fed, there's 100% grass-fed, 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. There's also pasture-centered, which that can sometimes be misleading because, well, all animals are on pastures, especially cows. Cows compared to other animals always start on pastures, which I know some say that in some ways that's the most ecological meat to eat because at least it's on the pasture part of the time. But really, it's not hard to find 100% grass-fed and grass-finished, basically eating grass the whole time. And so I think that's a big plus of what your butcher shop is offering. Yeah. And I also think, I'd like to think a lot of that is just not so much misleading, but miseducating the consumer. Because us as a butcher shop, we have to do our due diligence and find out where we're sourcing our meats from and what the practices are so that our consumer doesn't have to do that. And we can be percent honest with them and and, you know transparency is a big issue nowadays you know and we want to be as transparent as possible so our consumer doesn't have to do they have their whole day then they come to us they're relying on us for us to give them the best cut of meat so it's very important for us i just wanted to add that especially now you know that people work hard for their money uh we're trying to give the best possible value for what they work hard for. And we want to make sure that they're giving their family something that's worthy, certainly not only of ours, but for theirs as well. And so kind of, it's kind of, all these things kind of link together with collect what we put in our case. I think that's a very big advantage of going to a butcher shop versus going to a supermarket. I think it all goes back to the idea, there's the book in the 70s, Small is Beautiful. And so it's all about going from the smaller farms. And I think also going to smaller stores. The people that know me know that I ask questions all the time about, where food comes from. I'm a little crazy like that. And I think sometimes you may go to a restaurant or to a supermarket and they might not know everything about the meat they're selling. So I think that's a very big advantage that you guys offer is when they go to you, you can ask where it's from and you can tell them all about it. That is the advantage of being a small shop is we we get to uphold that standard a little better, I think. At least it's not the easiest thing to do, but it certainly is something that we're committed to part of our business model, part of our beliefs, it's the reason we open shops. Figaro Produce was open upon the same principles. So you know, it's the transparency part of our business as yeah. well. That's why we also ask our farmers and purveyors to get us as much literature as possible. So that way we can give that to our consumer because quite frankly, it's nearly impossible for Jeff and I to communicate and explain and source all our meats to every individual customer. So, and that's why it's important for us that we have all the literature and that shows where the meats come from, how they're raised, and if they have any further questions, they can do their due diligence and call that farmer directive. So we go one further. Sourcing meats and transparency is not a privilege, it's a right, and they need to know that. Agreed, and that's a big part of what I do is letting people know more about it, and so that's why I like to have guests like you on is so we can explain it further. Thank you. So what do you see as the future of grass-fed beef? Do you think that we're going to be seeing 
more grass-fed beef in places? Do you think this is a movement that's continuing to grow? How do you think it works with the whole big ag and the big meat companies? Well, I see a couple of theories, but as far as grass-fed, I think we're going to be seeing a lot less of the factory-farmed uh, meat for various reasons. One, because the consumers, they're getting educated. I mean, we're seeing all walks of life coming in and purchasing meats where someone wouldn't really spend that type of money for a ribeye and stuff. They would go to your any other carniceria and buy and not ask questions. But they're finding out that it's a lot more affordable and more healthier for them to buy quality meats than to deal with the diseases after they're going to, from consuming meats that are not grass-fed and stuff. And we all know that, you know, a lot of our diseases are foodborne and stuff. So we can make a difference there. To answer your question, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more local, grass-fed, natural, organic farms delivering to the real butcher shops, I'm not talking about supermarkets because their practices are uh, and virtues are different than us. But as far as the future of grass-fed, I think it's just going to continue to build and stuff. Now, I don't think there's going to be a shortage because I think in the future, the farm is going to be supplying the community and not shipping out meat to another state or something like that. So if the community supports itself and sustains itself, then it pretty much, if that goes across the United States, then we could become a sustainable source of meat and stuff. I think also that further to that, you get into other kind of other issues, which Aaron, you touched on earlier with regard to producing meat in a sustainable way for our environment. Being able to produce grass, have animals that are 100% grass-fed, I mean, that really impact our environment greatly. So customer awareness about sourcing and the quality will only lead to kind of a stronger demand on that end on the farms to produce these, this type of product with a less of a thumbprint on the environment as well. Yeah, I like what you said about the health reasons. It reminds me of something that Joel Salatin said when he was asked about the price of his food. He says, have you priced cancer? I don't know that anybody's really priced cancer, but uh, I'll tell you, the alternative is a lot less expensive, isn't it? Exactly. Eating, eating healthier, trying to follow a diet that at least certainly uh, steers you in a direction from a lot of diseases. There's other ways of budgeting as well, and that's what I like to teach our consumers is that America as a whole, we overeat. You know, and that's a problem in itself right there. I'm a big believer in moderation. You can live well and enjoy everything that this world and your life has to offer, but in moderation, with the limitation of there's no moderation in smoking and doing drugs. And right. That is good just point. good for you. But <laughs> instead of buying a ribeye that's inferior, that's select, that's corn-fed, because corn-fed, 90% of the corn in the United States is genetically modified. So right off the back, if you're buying a cow that's corn-fed, you're putting genetically modified ingredients into your body. So instead of buying a ribeye that's about a pound, pound and a half, at seven ninety nine, where I see it advertised everywhere and people just do not know what they're putting into their body, you can get a grass-fed for relatively higher than that, but split it. You don't have to eat a whole pound and a half yourself. Have your vegetables, a well-balanced meal, and still have a quality cut of meat. So people have to realize that they're overeating all the time. And, you know, cut the amount that you're meeting and, and you can still fit it into your budget. That's part of the awareness that we believe. Yeah, that's a great part that you bring up. People hear that I eat meat with most meals. What they don't understand is it's not a big porterhouse steak that I eat with it. And it actually helps spread my budget, too, that I can have a steak and 
just have half of it and then save the other half for another meal. Yep. Yeah, or if you're having a, a nice meal with your spouse or your family of four, you can still cook that ribeye or porterhouse the way you should instead of cutting it and then cooking it. But then you split it amongst four. You played right. it times four. So there's a way to do it. It's just people just have to get out of their train of thought of how they were raised the past 20, 30 years and just eat a little bit less but higher quality. It's pretty simple. It is, and for any kind of sustainable meat, you're going to have to pay a little more, but I would say that the prices in your butcher shop are rather affordable compared to some of the other places. Do you have some key to keeping the prices decent? Well, we've just opened. We've had long conversations going into our grand opening with our purveyors, our farmers, and we have an understanding that they're helping us with pricing right now because they know it takes a while. It's going to take us at least a year, a year and a half, two years to really find our niche of what our customers truly want and stuff because we really want to be our community store without compromise to our value and our beliefs and standards. But um, we're trying to keep the prices as low as possible, putting our standards and our customer needs before our profit. But it's difficult because as a small butcher shop, you know, we don't get the huge discounts like Whole Foods get. You know, they put a stranglehold on a lot of things. But we're doing our due diligence, and we that's a big part of our conversations daily that Jeff and I have as far as what do we want to price this at to where the consumer can still purchase it because that's what we want. We want the consumer to purchase quality meats and also make a profit so we can sustain our life. But, you know, Jeff and I are going to continue to try to drop the prices even more, but it's a battle for a small butcher shop like ours. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of customers, I mean, certainly customers that I've talked to, spoken to that are not necessarily CHOPS customers, but uh, other customers of other markets, if you will. I think that a lot of times I get the impression that they expect price to remain the same all the time without any fluctuation. And, you know, the fact of the matter is price on this type of premium product that, that is, you know, organic grass-fed, for example, and beef, those prices fluctuate for various reasons. You know, cost of feed, cost, I mean, not feed, but, uh, you know, weather could, can impact stuff, for example. And so the cost to us gets fluctuated. So we really try to maintain the level, the price level that we have in our cases as the best we possibly can. But, uh, yeah, it is. It's been one of the more difficult things to actually put something out there that we think is affordable and reflective of the product that we're putting in our cases as well. But it's also one of the things that, like Ruben said, we're, we're looking at and examining every single day. We're probably putting in orders maybe two, three times a week for product, and we're constantly pouring over the prices of these things and trying to keep it affordable so that people can come in and experience the quality and our service here that we have at Chops. If I might just add a quick example so the consumers can understand how we come up with these prices and why we try to sustain these prices. A ribeye might cost us X amount on Monday, and we price it to where we need to be. And on Friday, you know, we might get that same ribeye, but it costs us a dollar or two more per pound. Well, there's been times that Jeff and I would just say, you know what? Just leave it. We're not going to change it. Just leave it. And we absorb that loss in profit and stuff. And it does happen. We try to do that as much as possible, but there comes a time where, hey, we're just not profiting much and we have to increase the price until that commodity comes back down. So that's just an example. Absolutely. And I think that's a great point you bring up about the weather, how it can change. And to me, it kind of goes into the general idea of, I feel you're really paying for what this is worth because this is small farms and it's a lot of local and I think the big thing is that it may be easier all the time to get some of these big factory farm meat because it's this giant operation where it's easy to distribute all across the country. But what comes with that? What's really the true price of that when it's across the country, it's flown out using a lot of 
fossil fuels. So I feel really the idea that you're willing to pay a little more based on something like the weather, you're paying really for what it's worth. And I think that goes to kind of a bigger cause. Absolutely. I think it's a bigger cause. Even being a target from another outside of the environmental cost of transportation, as you mentioned, being exposed to different terrains, some other places, again, just kind of Going back to my experience with my family's allergies, they've always done better traditionally with products from in-state for some reason. Maybe it's because we're all exposed to the same elements here. It's kind of native to us. It's easier for us to digest those products that are eating off the land here. So that's another thing. Again, I'm kind of compounding on that again as well, but that's something personal and from my part at least. Yeah, absolutely. And I know as you're talking about places still new, I know another thing is you've been experimenting a little with different products that you've been selling, kind of seeing what, what works and what doesn't. What are some new things we can see in the near future? We are going to be expanding in our games, a uh, wild game. Right now we carry, you know, rabbit, venison. If we can get these uh, wild game that, you know, are sustainable, we're going to try to expand on that. We're looking at alligator, snake, elk. We haven't finished our investigation and, you know, research and stuff. We're still working on all that, but we do want to expand on that. Pretty much what we want to do is every customer that walks through that door, we want to be able to get whatever they need and want in their life. So we really want to build this butcher shop and marketplace to accommodate every individual's needs and wants. It'll be a true neighborhood market and butcher shop. Which is really what's imp- why it's so important for us right now, the aspect of time for us right now. Whenever a customer walks through our doors, we try to greet them. We try to introduce ourselves, introduce our store, what we're about, our product, and get an idea, a real good feeling about who they are, what they like, what they don't like, what they'd like to see in our cases, what they'd like to see us carry. We're really open to suggestions. Ruben kind of uh, shared, we have already a list of some wild game that we're looking to, to expand into. But really, it's not only in our meat cases, but it's in our shelves, in our coolers, freezer. Anything that people would like for us to see us carry, we're really receptive, trying to be receptive to that, to be that community store first and foremost for Highland Park. You know, I want to add something, too. There's limitations to that, though. We've had a handful of customers come in and ask, like, well, why is, I hate to say it, but the uneducated in this aspect type of consumer where they just don't know what they're buying as far as meat. And I hate to say it that way because they're not uneducated. They just don't know about the food that they're eating. But they ask, why Why aren't we selling lesser quality meat, you know, like your supermarket so that they can shop here and it could be affordable? And we try to explain to them that, you know, that's not what we're trying to do. This is not what we're trying to extend to our customers. So if we want to educate them and offer them what's going to help them in their lifestyles and in their health. But we've had dozens ask us to carry choice and select corn fed, and we just won't do it. That's not what we're trying to do not even for a profit. So there are limitations to what we will get for our customers. Now, if they want us to get it for them, and we're we're more than happy to, but we're not going to offer it through our case. I think that's all part of the job is you do have to educate people a little. Not everyone is familiar as you or I are about organic, non-GMO, grass-fed. So I'm sure that that's all part of it. Yeah, certainly I wasn't. I mean, I was raised with a kind of didn't really matter to my parents as much what we ate 
terms of the quality. So it took some time for that education, but once you see the difference in what you consume, I, I think, you know, you can kind of really never go back. Oh, completely. I wasn't raised that way either. This was all a thing maybe about 10 years ago that I learned, picked up Michael Pollan's Omnivore's Dilemma, and that's really when I knew about it because I'd lived in LA for about eight years before that, and I knew all about like Whole Foods and Trader Joe's, but never really went to those or went to the farmer's markets. And so it was all a learning process for me. And so it could be done to anyone. And that's what both of us are doing with our businesses is letting people know about that. I like that you brought up that you sell some other products other than the meats and want to touch on that a little before we wrap. I like that you sell raw milk because you're talking earlier about allergies and Raw milk is great because I know some people that are lactose intolerant, but they're able to have the, the digestion of that. And like some of the other products you sell, such as see, coconut oil you have, which is great cooking oil, and you have some organic candy that all uses real sugar, none of the high fructose corn syrup. That's just to touch a few, and I'm sure maybe there's some other items you want people to know about in the freezer and the shelf sections of your store. We've got some great ice creams, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Try to complement in our meat case with some, some very select product, high-end quality product that we want to offer here on our shelves as well in our coolers. You mentioned a few of the raw products. I was kind of surprised that we're probably, what what are we, only the two, like in about five-mile radius, Ruben, is that right, that sells raw milk? I don't remember what it was, but there are not many people that carry this product. We've got, yeah, a lot of health probably too many, too many to mention here. We've got a great product that we really like here that sells very well is a kombucha, tap kombucha from our friends at Conscious Kombucha. And we're pretty particular about what we carry here in our shelves in terms of our product. What's the ice cream that you sell? We sell Julie's, Alden's Organic Ice Cream, one of my favorites. We sell McConnell's. We have Jenny's and Trous. And then we have a local kind of favorite here, uh, some sandwiches called Cool House. The ice creams that are grass-fed, we try to keep it all grass-fed, but we have to accommodate our customers, but they do have to be organic or we have to meet certain standards. Although Alden's is not made from grass-fed cows, great quality, it's all organic from Oregon. But the grass, for instance, Jenny's ice cream, which I believe is one of the best ice creams on this world, are made from grass-fed Jersey cows in Ohio. I used to carry them. I was the first ones to carry them in the West Coast over at Figaro Produce. I don't know if you remember. Um, I do. And then Strauss has a very high standard, also grass-fed ice cream as well, as McConnell's as well, which is local, made here in Santa Barbara. I love that you were the first to sell Jenny's ice cream. I'm actually from Ohio, so I had it back there before it was expanded to the West Coast and love that my home state is represented. And Strauss also is great ice cream. Yeah, they have great standards as far as dairies. So those are the ice creams that I would recommend. Going back to the thing about raw milk, it's a good point you bring up that there aren't a lot of places that you can find it. You can get it at the farmer's markets, but not a lot of stores sell it, or I should say not a lot of the big stores. Whole Foods used to sell it, and then they backed out, and so you don't really find it at any national grocery chain. So that's another reason to shop with these smaller stores is you can get some products that you won't find in other places. Yeah, it's not limited to the raw milk either. We also carry their uh, raw cheese, the raw butter, the raw cream, and their kefir. I do have to add one thing to this, going back to profit. We chose, because not a lot of people know about the benefits of raw milk and raw dairy products, especially those who have allergens as far as lactose, we are the cheapest. And we chose to price this very, very competitive, at least a couple bucks cheaper than, than the cheapest you can find. And it, it has no bearing on the quality of the milk. It's the exact same milk. It's organic pastures up in uh, Central California. But going back to profit over quality, we chose to price very competitive so that your average consumer 
can try it and fruit the benefit of it. Yeah, a lot of our staples here are kind of priced to move, if you will, and that and raw milk is one of them for sure. That's a great point to bring up because that is a concern like people have with grass-fed beef and kind of any organics is the price of raw milk, which again, also you're paying for the health benefits of it versus the other ones. But it is good to know that yours has better price than some of these other places because it's always good that people get the best price of it. So we're just about out of time but before we go let the listeners know where they can find your website to learn more about your place that chops meat and fish all completely spelled out.com is our website they can also follow us on instagram that would be hashtag chops butcher shop with ppe at the end c-s-h-o-p-p-e however we'd rather see them face to face so we could introduce ourselves Absolutely. And we're located at 5715 North Figueroa Street and in the Frank's Camera Building. Just remember to enter through the back alley because our entrance is in the back alley. But if you do come, please introduce yourself to Jeff or Ruben. Absolutely. And I think anyone that comes will be pleasantly delighted with what you have to offer. We sure hope Thank so. you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. It's great to have you here. I appreciate Thanks, it. Sir. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you for your, thank you for your time. That's all for this episode. If you liked it, you can continue on to the next episode in the All About the Beef series. I'll be talking to Angela Mavridis of Trabali Foods about reinventing the frozen meal.